Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Last week, we kicked off a series. Pastor Mike preached on some assembly required in a series called Made in Bethlehem. Today, we're going to continue that conversation in this series. But I was thinking this past week about how much I love Christmas. Any Christmas fans out there in the crowd today? It's just my favorite. A lot of Christmas fans over there. It's just my favorite. I mean, I love Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, Easter, but there's just something great about Christmas. It's like you celebrate it for an entire month. Uh, you, you have parties to go to. I love being around people, so I get to go to parties, be around people. I love to eat good food. Can I have a good amen in the 11:15? Eat great food. We were at a, a, somebody's house this past week, and we'd been to a number of houses in a row, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and we were at somebody's house. It was Miss Ann's house, and she just made this amazing spread of Italian food. Oh, Lord, help us. It was awesome. And I'm sitting there next to a friend of mine, and he had a great idea. I thought, this is genius. He said, you know how we have ladies have maternity pants that they wear when they're having a baby. Uh, he said, I'm going to create some holiday pants. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Some stretchy pants in honor of Nacho. But I just thought, man, I love Christmas. I, I, my kids, they're just at the prime age. They're seven, five, and three, and they're just into it. Man, they love gifts. And me and my wife, we're both more like savers. I know some people are more spenders. We, we save a little bit more than most people, I guess, just as far as personality. They say in Financial Peace University, you're either a spender, they call them free spirits, or a saver, they call them nerds. Any, any savers in the house? Any nerds in the house? Where are the spenders at? Where are the free spirits at? God bless you. Whoa. God bless you. And uh, how many of you married to somebody that, that's like the opposite of you? Father, right now, we just pray on behalf both of us are, are more savers, but when it comes to Christmas, man, I don't mind going all out for Christmas. If I'm able to, I go all out for Christmas and just want to bless my kids, have a great time. But there's one thing you got to watch out for, and I've learned this uh, with having kids, I, I never encountered it before, but I've learned this with having kids is that when you give your child a gift, uh, you got to make sure to read that box, people, because there can be three words on the outside of that box that you easily miss. It's like camouflaged in there, and it's um, batteries not included. When they open that gift and they're fired up about it and then you read those words, it's like a, a panic comes on your soul. Um, you, you break out into a sweat because you know that that toy requires batteries to function the way it's supposed to function. And, and I was thinking about, these are experiences that I've had. I've had times where we've given our kids a gift and we didn't have batteries um, and, and we just started tearing apart all the electric devices in our home. Like your remotes, you're like, where is the remote? Tearing that apart. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that, that my electric toothbrush has a double A, triple A battery. Where's the, I will not brush my teeth today as long as I get this thing done. I was talking to a friend this past week. I thought this was just classic. He said one time he had a certain battery that was needed that he took the batteries out of his smoke alarm. <laughs> Let that settle in for a moment. Took the batteries, got on a ladder, people. Took the batteries out of his smoke alarm to give power to the toy. That tells me he would be better off. He would just rather the house burn down than his kids to melt down. All the parents say amen. Amen. Keep them happy. 
But batteries are essential in certain toys for them to function the way they're supposed to function. So we're going to try this out. I didn't do it last service, but we're going to try it. If you can get a little shot here on this toy, can we do that? Work that camera. Oh, yeah, look at the talent of this team. Okay, so this toy, years ago I purchased this, or Bethany did, for, for our kids, and I love this toy. It's supposed to have another guy that it goes against, a blue guy and a red guy. Um, I was looking everywhere for the head of the red guy this morning. True story, I couldn't find it, so we just have one, just work with me. So when this toy, the, the whole purpose and game of it is that it has to have batteries to do what it was created to do. And this toy, it, it goes and it punches. Let's see if I can get it. If it falls off, I'm sorry. But, okay. Ooh, ooh. Okay. See that? See that punch right there? So I'm talking about people. Right there, all day long. Just punch and punch it. And the goal of this toy is you're supposed to hit the other toy. Just use your imagination. And, and if you hit them right here, the head pops off. It's rated G for everyone. It's okay. But this is the toy. And it needs batteries. It needs power to function and perform the role it was created to form. And I believe that God has a purpose and a function for all of our life that he desires us to have. Can I have a good amen? That when he created us, when he manufactured us, he wanted us to have an impact. He, he, he designed us to make a difference difference and to have purpose. And it's a great purpose, not a small purpose. And it's to let people know about the greatest news on the planet. It's about Jesus Christ, that we will live for Jesus, that we'll point people to Jesus, that we'll glorify Jesus with our lives. But much like this toy, our lives need power in order to fulfill what it is God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. And Jesus talks about this power when he's addressing his disciples right before he is to go to heaven. And Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the first scripture we'll read, Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says this. He says, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city. They were in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Somebody say power. Power from heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you shall receive power, there's that word again, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Luke is the writer of both of these texts we just read. And Luke is writing in the Gospel of Luke and also the Acts of the Council of the Apostles or the book of Acts. And he's telling them what Jesus had said. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, Jesus promised us that in order for us to fulfill what he's called us to fulfill, to do what he's created us to do, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the word for power that's used in both of these texts is the word dunamis. And that Greek word literally translates power, might, marvelous work, and ability. So there's this sense of supernatural power that comes on our life in order for our lives to make a difference. But the truth is this, you can't miss this part. All of us are born into this world, batteries not included. Because of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, and Romans chapter 5 talks about it, and throughout the, the book of Romans, there was a chasm, there was a distance, a separation that exists because of man's sin between man who had sin and a pure, holy, spotless God. But the good news is this. 
The Bible tells us also that when one confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's only done through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit, that one says yes to Jesus, enters into a relationship with him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. How many think that's pretty good news? That the power that Jesus talked about comes and lives inside of us. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of us. And God gives us the Holy Spirit for many reasons. But one of the reasons God gives us the Holy Spirit is he wants our lives to be different from that of this world. That as believers, our lives should be different. How many of you know somebody when, when back before in their BC days, before they were saved, before Christ, they were just busting hell wide open. Anybody know somebody? Man, you guys are all holy in here. Last service, they were like, yeah, right here. They were just busting hell right up. It's just hellions. And, and then God saves them through his grace, not by works. God saves them and begins to do a work inside of them. Sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we want people to get their lives right and then for God to save them. That is not God's plan. I heard John Maxwell say one time, you catch the fish before you clean the fish. But God, he wants to save you and then cleanse you. And there's so many things we could talk about as it relates to the power of the Holy Spirit being evident in someone's life. Like, for example, this, this toy right here, when it has the power that it's supposed to have, when the batteries are in full operation, this light comes on. It's called an indicator light. Can everybody see that? Indicator light. And it shows you that this toy has what it needs to do what it was created to do. In similar fashion, God gives us indicators. There's things that the Holy Spirit begins to do in our life that it's only by his power that enables us to do those things. We could talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Man, I'm so thankful for the gifts of the Spirit that's been given to us. As a church, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And in fact, in January, I love these nights. They're, we call them underground nights, where it's just an in-depth teaching and study. In January, I believe on the 9th, it's the second Friday, is uh, we're gonna have a two-hour teaching right here in this building, right here in this room, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be powerful. We could talk about the gifts, we could talk about the baptism, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you, uh, the baptism comes upon people. Uh, after salvation, we could talk about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the one indicator I want to talk to you today about is how the Holy Spirit, when he's active in our lives, that he gives us power over sin. Can I have a better amen? I know what you're thinking right now. You're going to talk about sin the week leading up to Christmas. I should have just waited for Christmas Eve service to hear about baby Jesus. But I don't think there's more appropriate topic for us to talk about than what we deal with every single day. You deal with it, I deal with it. But this is the great news. Romans tells us this. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. And because you belong to him, speaking of Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. When God does something inside of us and starts to transform us, he gives you power to overcome things. Everybody look up here for a moment. Jesus came and he died on the cross to free us from the penalty of sin. He came and he absorbed the wrath of God bridging that chasm that exists between God and man. He absorbed the wrath. Jesus came, he bled and died, and he rose again in order to free us from the penalty. You don't have to pay anything for your salvation, nor do I. 
But the Holy Spirit is sent to free us from the power of sin in our lives. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God desires his people to live in some freedom. That he doesn't want us to be bound up in chains of darkness, walking like we used to walk, acting like we used to act, talking like we used to talk, treating people like we used to treat them. Christians should be different than those people of the world. And it's not condemning people. It's not saying, oh, I'm so much better. Yet by the grace of God, there go I. But as you get saved, salvation isn't about behavioral modification, but it is about transformation that takes place from the inside out. That we do become conformed to the image of Christ. We do put off the old man. We do stop walking in the flesh like we used to, and we start walking in the spirit. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. What does Pastor Mike every, say every single week? I'm not perfect. That was so weak right there. <laughs> he says it every week. This is how I say it. This is how he says it. I'm not perfect, but I serve. How I many you know he sings it a little bit? I serve the one who is. I'll be here all day, people. You'll never be perfect, but we should be progressing. That's a good word. You'll never be perfect, but we should be progressing. I say it like this. The longer you serve Jesus, you shouldn't be sinning more and more. You should be sinning less and less. How I am today, hopefully, is more like Jesus than I was five years ago. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. He lives inside of you. If you're born again, He lives inside of you. Let's take advantage of it. Holy Spirit, I need you. So the question that we're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about is this. If if the Holy Spirit's power, one of the indicators is that he gives me power over sin, then how does that happen? How can I walk in this? Because there's some things maybe in your life or in my life that has been a battle for a long time. I'm believing the Holy Spirit's going to set some people free today. How does this happen? I'm going to talk to you. There's a few thoughts, a few thoughts here. The first one is this, is the Holy Spirit uses conviction to free us from the power of sin. Conviction. And conviction gets a bad rap, man. People hear that word. It's like, oh, man, hear this preacher, man, talk about conviction. I don't want to hear about this. Uh, Conviction is a gift. It's a blessing. It's not a curse. It's for your benefit. It's not against you. It's for you. And the Holy Spirit will use conviction in your life to show you which way to go and which way not to go. If you don't believe me, let's check it out. Let's look in the scriptures. John chapter 16, verse 8 says this. Jesus speaking again, and when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It is not my job. Everybody look at me for a minute. It's not my job to convict people. It's my job to preach God's word. It's not my job to force transformation on people. You will drive people away from Jesus if you try to do that. We are to love them. We're to show grace to them. And as relationship happens, then you have conversations with people. But conviction is always wrapped in love and grace. Condemnation, on the other hand, is always wrapped in guilt and shame. The Holy Spirit's the author of conviction. The enemy is the author of condemnation. Conviction draws us to God. Condemnation draws us away from God or pushes us away from God. But conviction is a powerful gift. I pray in my life, man, I pray often, Lord, please keep my heart sensitive to you. Don't let me get dull to conviction. And here's the thing. I'm just going to be real with this in here. 
It's conviction and what is right and wrong is not based on my own personal feelings or opinions. It's not based upon what the media says, what culture receives as normative, what, what people say, oh, it's okay to do that. Man, if God's word says do not participate in that, we are not to participate in it. And you can clap your hands. And again, I'm not angry, I'm not mad, I'm not preaching all you are sinners. Man, I'm preaching this to myself. But there's a reason Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he tells Timothy, preach the word. He says, be ready in season and out of season. I heard people say all the time, oh, that means preachers, they need to have a message all the time. What's your message today? That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to preach God's truth when it's popular and it's unpopular. You preach what God's word says. But this is what's happening, guys. This is unfortunately what will take place. The church becomes conformed to the world instead of the church being used as light to transform the world. That's good, man. That's good. I'm telling you. And God, he wants you and I to be radically different. And he will convict us. And we'll start heading in a direction. And man, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It'll come on you and you go, ooh, I got to watch out there. Maybe it's a relationship and you kind of attracted this person. You go in that direction. The Holy Spirit's like, listen, I'm not saying they're the devil, but they're not for you. And you'll feel this conviction. Oh, I need to stay awake. Maybe it's certain environments that you go to. You know when you go to those environments, you fall into stuff you're not supposed to fall into. Talk to me. The Holy Spirit, you start going there, you're in your car, and you feel this conviction. That's the Holy Ghost. That, that's not the devil saying, oh, you don't need to go there. No, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you got to watch this. And here's the thing. There's things that are unpopular. People say, you know, just, just if you want to lust, lust. If you want to have an affair, have an affair. If you want to cheat sexually, cheat sexually. If you want to have sex before marriage, do that. Those things are, are deceptive plans of the enemy. And it's not to beat anybody down, but man, it's to lift people up because God's always trying to protect. He's not trying to hurt. He's trying to protect. And, and sexual, sexual immorality, the Bible says, should have no place among us. Anger. Man, turning into like the Incredible Hulk should have no place around us. Christians should be nice. <laughs> That's a novel idea. Christians should be generous. You should go to a restaurant and they're glad you showed up. Oh, man, I know it's going to be a big tip today. I remember that from last week. That's how we should live. Shouldn't be jealous, have bitterness in our heart. Oh, I'm going to see this relative this Christmas. See them. You, just, you get bitterness in you. The Holy Ghost will say, hey, man, that's not of me. That's not of me. I'm conforming you to something so much better. Yeah, this is great. Uh, uh, my wife and I, years ago, we started saying something to our kids, and it wasn't like we planned it out. We didn't, we didn't plan on saying it. This is probably Bethany's idea. She's, she's the holier one in our family. But we started telling our kids if, if something came on television or, or maybe they said something or maybe I lost my temper, we'd just say to them, hey, what just happened that didn't honor God? That's what we say. We say, that doesn't honor God. And, and sometimes with your kids, you just wonder, are, is this sinking in at all? Or are they just kind of staring off to space? And we just kept saying it. And again, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like, hey, Bethany, it's your turn to say it now. It doesn't honor God. This was not planned. But uh, about a year after doing that, our oldest son, Elijah, he's full of energy. Uh, he is just all over the place. He's awesome. Great athlete, like his father before him. Um, but he's, he's seven. <laughs> he's seven. Um, but Elijah, we were at the park one day playing on the playground. I say we were. He was playing. I'm sitting. And I hear him. 
I'm telling you, man, this is, this, this is crazy. I hear him yell out from where I'm sitting, pointing his finger at somebody, and he's yelling at them, that does not honor God. I thought, Lord, help us. I said, Elijah, come over here, man. What are you doing? And he's like, Dad, they said the word hate. We don't say the word hate in our family. He said, that does not honor God. I said, I know, son, but don't go Old Testament prophet on us right now. You got to back it down a notch. We've been at movie theaters. This is a true story. I can't make this stuff up. We've been at movie theaters, and, and like the previews come on, and maybe there's something that's not real good. He points at the movie screen and says, that does not honor God. I love it. I love it. Settle down, son. Relationships. <laughs> um, but this is what will happen. This is what will happen. This is my prayer for, for all of us, is that even this week, when, when we see, maybe it is a family member, but they've done you wrong. And, man, you, you've been hurt. And you want so bad to tell them off. Anybody been there before? Okay, good. <laughs> this message is for you guys. Nine o'clock. And you, you got it on the tip of your tongue, and you're about to say something that's going to feel right in the moment, but you'll regret later. The Holy Spirit will whisper you. He will never yell at you, but he'll whisper to you, that doesn't honor God. And maybe later on, you'll, you'll, you'll be around some people, and they're doing some things that, that you know you ought not to be doing because God saved you, man. It's not because I'm doing these things to be holy and make people think I'm so holy, but I, I stay away from certain things and I live a certain way because I want people to see how great my God is. And he starts to whisper to you and nudge you, hey, that doesn't honor God. Let's listen to those voices. Amen, everybody? Let's listen to those voices. The second thought is this, is the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict you and say, hey, stop doing this or go in this direction, but he comes alongside of you. John chapter 16, verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is true. It is to your advantage or benefit, some translations say, that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The helper will come to you. That word is the Greek word paraclete. The word paraclete means helper, advocate, and counselor. And it's literally a picture that the Holy Spirit comes right alongside of you. And think about who's writing these words. This is the Apostle John who had the closest relationship with Jesus of anybody on the planet. He was his closest friend. And the benefit of Jesus being on the planet, obviously he came to die and be rose again, but the benefit wasn't about the multiplications of the miracle of the, of the fish and the loaves. It wasn't about all the healings. Those things were awesome. But the greatest benefit of Jesus being there is there was relationship conversation, doing life together. And this is John who had the closest relationship of any of them. And he is recording the words of Jesus and he's saying, it's to my benefit that the Holy Spirit comes because just as I had a relationship with Jesus, I can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit's not some it or thing or mystical force like you would see in Star Wars, but the Holy Spirit is a divine person that you and I can fellowship with, that he comes alongside of you. But sometimes in our mind, we have this concept of the Holy Spirit that he's like a referee. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like a referee, they're just waiting to blow their whistle on you. They're just waiting for you to mess up. Because this thing about the referee, the referee doesn't care if you win or lose. The referee, all he cares about are the rules of the game. And we look at the Holy Spirit and we even look at conviction as, well, the Holy Spirit is just waiting to blow his whistle. A personal foul, 15-yard penalty, 
Or, hey, Ray, I knew you were going to mess up today. You've been on a bad streak and he's waiting to blow his whistle. That's not the Holy Spirit at all. The Holy Spirit is more like the perfect coach who will speak truth to you, but he comes alongside of you and he says, listen, you messed up there, but I'm going to teach you how to overcome next time. He's for you. He wants you to win. He's on the same team. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the helper who comes alongside of us. And I pray that every single morning when we wake up, that we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life today. Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself today. Come alongside of me. Holy Spirit, lead me, teach me, coach me, encourage me, counsel me. I'm desperate for you because if I'm going to have victory over the power of sin, I've got to have you right there with me. Y'all getting something out of this today? we got to be coachable, though. It's one thing if you got a coach who's for you, who wants you to win, you got to be coachable. Don't give the Holy Spirit a stiff arm. Don't get distance between the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? I, I don't like what I'm feeling. It's always for your benefit. Always, always for your benefit. Final thought is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us to give us power over sin. The final thought is gives us another chance. How many of you are thankful for Second chances and third chances in your life. Fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances. How do you view God? Like how do you view him? Do you ever take time to think about that? Like do, you, do you view God as angry and vindictive and he's just waiting to smoke you? He's waiting just to pile on pain in your life when you mess up? I, I've been there before. There was a time in my life where I thought if I mess up, God's just going to bring calamity on me. That is cheap grace, my friend. Jesus' grace is unconditional. It is massive. How do you view him? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. Everybody say patient. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Peter wrote this. You say, what's the big deal? Peter wrote it. Okay, that's great. No one missed the mark more than Peter. Peter was constantly finding himself in trouble. When Jesus was taken to get crucified, who denied Jesus? Who denied him? Okay, good. Peter denied him. 50 days later, the day of Pentecost fully comes. Acts chapter 2. Who stands up and addresses thousands of people and preaches a powerful message where 3,000 people are added to the church in that day. His name is Peter. Peter, who blew it, who messed up, who fell on his face, who felt conviction but ignored it, who had the Holy Spirit with him but didn't, didn't follow through. Peter gets a second chance. Can I tell you, God will give you a second chance, a third chance, a tenth chance, a hundred chance, a thousand chance. Not angry with you. He's ready to help you. We serve a great God. Man, we serve an awesome God. And he loves you. He's crazy about you. I'll close with this story. This past year, a little bit this past year, I've gotten into running. I'm a runner now, okay? I know y'all are really interested. I'm a runner, and this is one of the reasons is I got really tired of people coming up and filling my arm 
and then feeling Pastor Mike's arm. I know it's weird, but it happens. And saying, why is his arm so much bigger than my arm? I said, well, forget that. I'll never look like Captain America over there, but I'm going to be a great runner. So I've been doing these races, and, and I'm, I'm into them, and I love them. And I did this one race. It was a 5K. It has obstacles. Then I did the Tough Mudder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Tough Mudder. It was 10 miles, had obstacles. And then this recent one I did with two close friends of mine it was the Spartan Beast. Yes, Lord. 13 point some odd miles, 30 obstacles. And, and I trained for it, and I had some friends who were running together, but it's kind of hard to train for this thing. There were hills everywhere. Oh, man, I was just dying. So the first eight, nine, ten miles, I'm like in it to win it. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. I didn't eat a big breakfast, so I'm going to blame it on the breakfast. I didn't eat a big breakfast, and I was feeling good. But then something happened around mile 11. Mile 11 got me, and I started cramping all in my legs. Anybody cramped before in your legs? Like my thighs were cramping, my, my, my hamstring, I, it wasn't cramping yet, but it's starting to tighten up and I could feel my calves starting to cramp. And I was there with Aaron DuPont. I don't see Aaron, he's in the last service. And I was like, Aaron, Aaron had this backpack with supplies. I had no supplies. I'm like, Aaron, man, I'm starting to cramp, man. I'm trying to be cool about it. Aaron, I'm starting to cramp. Do you have anything I can you know, have? He's like, here, here's a salt tablet. And he hands me this salt tablet, and you're supposed to swallow it, but because my legs are like so close to cramping, he says, just chew the salt tablet and get in your system faster. I'm like, this sounds terrible. And so I start chewing the salt tablet, and it is the worst taste ever. Just go put salt in your mouth this afternoon. You'll know what it's talking about. It's just, oh, it's terrible. I got all this salt in my mouth. And we come to this obstacle. It was like the 27th obstacle. It was called the Z-Wall, the Z-Wall. And it's this wall uh, with, these, with the, this, these pieces of wood that you, you go and you hold, you put your hand on the wood and the blocks of wood and then you put your feet on it. And it's not even that hard of an obstacle, but it's the 27th ob- obstacle around mile 12. Are y'all with me? We, we track along? Okay, don't, 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 don't lose me here. And so I'm going on this wall and this guy right here was with me. This guy playing beautifully on the keys. His name's Josh Foster. He's a super athlete. <laughs> Fan club. And, and he has made it through the Z-Wall. And I'm just, my legs, they're hurting. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I need the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm hurting. And I get on this Z-Wall, and I go to make a turn. And when I do, I extend my calf, which is so muscular. I extend my calf, and I'm going around, and, and my calf cramps up, man. And it's just like, boom, I fall off the Z-Wall. It's only like three feet high, but I fall off the Z-Wall. I land, I land, I could have made it really dramatic. It's like 30 feet. I fall off the Z-Wall. I land on my back, and I'm telling you, I thought I was going to black out. And this is what happened. I'll speed the story up. This guy comes running over. Josh and Aaron did not help me one bit. <laughs> this guy I've never met before in my life comes running over, and he's yelling at me. I'm like trying to catch my breath and try not to die. He's yelling at me. He starts yelling, which leg is it? This is terrible. I paid to do this. I'm like, he said, which leg is it? I said, it's my left leg. It's my left calf. And anybody who knows me in here well, you know, I love people. I'll give you a fist pump. I'll give you a side hug, but I'm not touchy, touchy. Um, When, you know, guys come up and start massaging your shoulders, this weirds me out. I don't like it. And when Pastor Mike in service says, grab your neighbor's hand, that's a bad moment for me. I go shoulder every time. <laughs> anyway, I'm having too much fun. So this guy comes running over. He says, which leg is it? He takes my leg. He straightens it. You know, I feel so helpless and hopeless. I'm telling you, I could do nothing. He straightens it. He takes my toe and he just bends it towards my face. 
like all the way to my face. And he starts massaging my calf, like deep tissue massage, people, massaging that calf, working it out. And he says this to me, he says, it's okay. I was in the military. Like, I love the military, man. God bless America. You know, I'm so thankful for this guy. I can't stand the the discomfort of it. It's awkward. But I am so thankful for this guy because I was helpless and hopeless without him. These guys standing on the side just taking a drink of water, loving life. I can't get up out of the dirt. Rambo came and saved me. Y'all laugh. It's traumatic for me. He gets me up. He helps me up. It's true. Josh, is this true? Yeah, it's true. Gets me up, and he's like, do you have everything you need? I'm like, not really. He says, says, do you have everything you need? I said, well, my buddy has some stuff. I can drink some of his water and some of his tablets and all this stuff. And he's like, okay, good, good. Keep going. And I tell you that story to tell you this. Man, there's some people in here today that you feel like you were down and out. You feel like there's no way you can keep going. You have hit bottom. You feel helpless and hopeless. The Holy Spirit is not going to come stand over you and say, well, you should have listened to my conviction. Well, when I was with you in life, you should have done and been coachable and done what I've told you to do. He's not going to do that. The enemy of your soul will do that. He'll come stand over you and lord over you and say, you're never going to make it. You're never going to amount to anything. You'll never be able to overcome. You'll never be able to break this addiction. You'll never be able to break this iniquity, this sin. But the Holy Ghost, he comes in your life. And he says, I know you've messed up. I know you can't get up. But there is power in me that now is in you. And I'm going to get you up and you will finish the race that Jesus has called you to finish. If you believe that, clap your hands in this room. That's our God. That is our God. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He's not judging you. He is full of grace and compassion and mercy and truth. If you know that God, can you give him praise in this place today? That's Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.